All we like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. With that assurance, let us go to God with our corporate prayer of confession. O God, our salvation, we confess that we have tried to live apart from you. Our daily habits deny your reality. We toil without seeking your will. We work without giving our best. We compete with brothers and sisters without valuing them as your children or relating to them as our kin. We follow fads and false leaders while neglecting our faith. Forgive our misplaced trust, our hesitation to take the risks of caring witness, and our failure to empathize with others. Restore our connections with all from whom we are alienated. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, who is in the position to place judgment on your life? Is it your worst enemy? Is it your best friend? Is it your next door neighbor? Is it your boss? Who has the authority to pass judgment on you? Only Jesus Christ. And Christ died for you. Christ rose for you. Christ reigns in power for you. Christ prays for you. Friends, if a person is in Jesus Christ, that person becomes a new creation altogether. The past is finished and gone and everything becomes fresh and new. So friends, believe the good news of the gospel. the people of faith, let us say what we believe using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead, he ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let us now take a moment to greet one another.
Good morning. You can see the big smile on my face, can't you? Go blue. Um, we are grateful that you are with us this morning. Grateful that we can be together as the followers of Jesus Christ here worshiping. We hope that you will discover ways by which you can be connected into this family of faith. We would love for you to sign out the friendship pads and uh, fill those out so that you can note those folks who are sitting near you. This is really primarily a way for you to be aware of those folks that uh, are near you, put name and face together, and we invite you after the service, as always, to join us under the tree and uh, for a little cup of coffee and a chance to continue, hopefully, the conversations you just began. Lots of things are going on, of course, and uh, you'll be hearing about this shortly, uh, but this will be a, a great lead-in for what we're going to be doing next Sunday. Uh, we would like to have you join us if you would like to learn more about membership here at Church of the Palms. We have a new members class right after this service, 1015, right next door in the chapel. We'd love to have you come to learn more. You don't need to have signed up ahead. Just show up. Uh, the class goes to about 1130, and uh, through it you will uh, discover uh, what it means to be a member here at Church of the Palms and how you can be a part of our ongoing mission here. This coming Tuesday, our Life Tree Cafe, which we have been um, participating in over in the campus center during the between the services, is uh, being launched into the public, into our community this Tuesday night, uh, over on, at the Nightlife Center on uh, Stickney Point Road, uh, right next to Kirby's Bar and Grill. But we won't go that far uh, anyway. <laughs> Uh, we'd love to have you come and participate in that. Details are in your bulletin, uh, how to get there and so on and so forth. But this is a chance for us to take our conversation in the church out into the community to engage with people that would like to learn a little bit more about what does it mean to be uh, a Christian. So we would love to have you uh, come and be a part of that, uh, that launch. Many of you have been asking about our effort to uh, respond to the terrible, terrible weather tragedy that's taken place in the Philippines. So many of you received our electronic communication about this this week. But if you would like to participate in our effort to respond, you can uh, put a, church, uh, a check in the offering plate, Market Philippines. It will be sent to the Presbyterian Disaster Assistance Fund. If you would like to do that directly, there's information in the back, in the back that uh, will tell you exactly how to do that online if you'd like to do that. But uh, we would love for you to uh, find ways to respond uh, to that terrible tragedy that has taken place in that part of the world. We invite you uh, as well to continue to be in prayer during our stewardship season. On page 14 in your bulletin, you'll see sort of the where we are in our efforts to reach our goal. We still have a long ways to go, and uh, that little graph will tell you about that on page 14. And uh, so if you've not yet had a chance to pledge, we would love for you to do that. Pledge cards have been sent out again, and so if you have received those, we would uh, be very grateful for you to uh, bring them back to us over the next couple of weeks as we do our planning for 2014. And also 2013, we're, uh, we're discovering where our trend is not going exactly the way we want it to go, finding ourselves somewhere between and $100,000 off the mark for the end of the year. So as you're looking ahead to your year-end giving, Make sure to keep Church of the Palms in your, uh, in your sights so that we can uh, close that gap and uh, be uh, finishing out the year very, very strongly. Uh, one, a couple of other things. You saw a 
cardboard boxes out there underneath the tree. You'll learn a little bit more about that later, but that was our homeless sleepover. Our children slept in cardboard boxes, sort of taking on the experience of the homeless so that they could be sensitized to efforts that uh, much, much of this responds to. So uh, if you're wondering about that, that's exactly what that's about. And lastly, at the back of your bulletin, on the back page, you will see, join our usher team. We would love for you, if you have the spiritual gift of a smile, and if you come to church, those are really the only two things you need to be an usher. Strangely enough, we are a little bit behind in our efforts on getting full usher teams here at Church of the Palms. We would love for you to just try it out. If you just want to try it out for a few weeks with no long-term commitment, put your name and address and information on the, that tear it off, put it in the offering plate. Again, just a few weeks uh, uh, give you a chance to experience it, and perhaps you'll discover that that's a ministry that you'd like to have a part of your life. So, do I, I don't hear those tears. <laughs> well, I'll be, I want to hear tears during the service, okay? And put those in the offering plate. Let us know if you'd like to help us out. Let us continue our worship.
Let us continue to worship God in prayer. Most gracious and loving God, we thank you for family and friends. We thank you for the joy of things that surprise and delight and inspire us with the awareness that you are with us. Bless us as a church and a community of faith in ministries and mission to which you call us. Help us to be more than obedient servants, fulfilling our duty. Help us, O God, to be glad witnesses to your wonderful grace that has transformed our lives and lives of those who are around us. We pray for those who have urgent needs for your healing and comforting love and mercy. Be with those who are sick and give your calling a healing grace, we pray. We also pray for those who mourn this day, especially we lift up Lillian and her family on the certain death of John. Bless our nation's leaders in all levels of government, we, play, we pray. Lead them to serve with insight and integrity and compassion for all. We pray that you will continue to keep watch over those we love in the military and mission field. We also pray that you will bless all of us who are here at Church of the Palm so that together we may more faithfully serve and honor you. We bring our prayers to you in the name of our Lord Jesus, who taught us to pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us the day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Now let us give thanks to God through the gathering of our offerings.
Let us pray. Our dearest God, everything we have, including our very life, comes from you as your blessing and gift. At this moment in worship, we give to you these offerings as a token of our love and gratitude. Bless this for our own good and for the people all around the world whom you love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. set up in the front of the sanctuary. Well, I would like to share with you why it's here and why there's a whole crew of volunteers walking down the aisle and kind of surrounding the food that's been set up. What we want to do is give you a visual representation of an amazing ministry among the most amazing ministries I have ever been privileged to be a part of, and that is our food pantry ministry. What you see in front of you in terms of the non-perishable food that's set out here is the amount of food that we distribute to people in need in our community every single week of the year, 52 weeks a year, this amount of food, plus perishable food, plus breads and pastries, our volunteers, represented by the folks who are here, give to people in our own community. It takes about 60 different volunteers every week. We have more than 80 involved in the food pantry on a regular basis, but 60 volunteers every week, wonderful folks, just like the ones you see gathered before you, distributing this amount of food to people in our community. In fact, over the last five years, every single year, we have served more than 20,000 people each year. And at the most difficult parts of the recession, that number was closer to 30. We served over 28,000 people in two of the last five years. So far this year, we've served over 17,000 people through the end of October. For the sixth year, we'll once again serve more than 20,000 people with volunteers just like these. There are no paid staff that make the food pantry happen. It's all volunteer. The other thing that is truly amazing about this ministry is that the funds to buy the food, like the food you see before you, it comes from special gifts from the congregation. So it's not included in the regular church budget. It happens um, because of your generosity. And one of the key ways that it happens is once a year, right around Thanksgiving time, we receive a special offering to benefit the food pantry so that it will propel us into the next year to continue to serve people in our community who are in need of food. 
And so our theme this year, and it's captured in this can and on the pole banners you might have seen in the courtyard, is can do. The food pantry can do this ministry that God has called us to, a feeding hungry people with your help and your support. I would ask you to think and pray about how you might be able to participate in this special offering that we will receive next Sunday morning. And just as an example of the kind of things that, that happen in the food pantry as we serve people who are in need, the way that God touches lives, Bev Bassett, one of our volunteers, has a story to share. Good morning. During my time volunteering in the food pantry, I have seen God do amazing things. One day in the distribution center, a young woman came in very upset. Once she pulled herself together, she told me there was a mix-up at the organization that she was supposed to get a crib and a car seat. Her name was not on their list. She did not know how she was going to get her baby home from the hospital. I told her, I have a car seat. My grandkids had outgrown and that she could have it. She hugged me and cried. A few weeks later, she came back in with her newborn to thank me. I know that God had put us both in the pantry at the same time, and this is just one of the many times that the church body has been there for someone in need. Thank you so much, Bev, and thanks to you as you think and pray about your participation in supporting this food pantry ministry. And as a part of that support, our uh, children last night had a homeless sleepover where they experienced a bit of what it might be like to sleep in boxes outdoors. And they were the ones who uh, set up our food display. And so as they come forward for their time with uh, Lori, I know that you will want to uh, thank them and welcome them here. So thank you as you participate in the food pantry offering. children can make their way down to the steps. Our 21 fourth and fifth graders and six counselors are going to come up to the very top. We want to tell you just a little bit about our experience last night. You probably saw the cardboard boxes. If you get too close, you may notice that some of us took on the full feeling of being homeless and did not use a toothbrush. So you just have been warned. And as kids come down, just so you, homeless kids back, homeless kids back. So any kids that are here for the children's moment can come down on the first couple of stairs and see them. Excellent. So where are our homeless signs? Let's get up, people. And first thing, we want to tell you what we did last night. And Hallie's going to get us started. What we did last night. We heard testimony from a woman in our congregation who used to be homeless. One of our counselors bought a homeless man a meal at McDonald's, and we told him about our food pantry. We shopped for three angel kids and got them toys and clothes. We stacked the ca some cans here and over in the garden, over 3,000 cans. Thank you. And next, we want to tell you some things that we learned. Alexander, can you make your... Uh, come on up, take a step if you can. Thank you. There we go. I learned that boxes are cramps. So let's keep people out of them. <laughs> Here we go. 
Boxes are cramped indeed. I learned that while many homeless people can have food stamps, the one thing they can't get with food stamps are um, products that help keep them clean and stuff. So like deodorant, a lot of girls like to wear makeup and to feel pretty and like human, they said. Homeless people don't have can openers, so if you donate canned food, make sure it has a pop top. Next. Not all homeless people look the way we may think. Then we thought, well, what should we do? Well, what would Jesus do? And we thought, we need to look in the Bible so we know exactly what he expects us to do. In Matthew 25, 35, and 40, Jesus said, For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Thank you. And finally, we just want to give you some practical tips that we learned that we think we can do and that we would like to encourage you to do as well. Would you hand that back to Georgia? You can give the homeless a $5 McDonald's gift card. We can pray for them. We can carry around toiletries in our car and give them to the homeless people when they need them the most. We can tell them about our food pantry. We can carry around granola bars and water bottles and give them to the homeless. We can love them because we shouldn't judge them just because they're homeless, because they're also children of God. Thank you. And Meredith. Will you guys pray with me? Dear God, we thank you for this beautiful day that you've given us. Lord God, we thank you for all the blessings and opportunities that you have placed into our life. And we pray as the weeks continue that you begin to open up our eyes for us to realize all the homeless people in our community and how we can serve them and show them the love of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.
may be seated. Adam, we're grateful for your leadership of music today. Thank you for being here. You can come back anytime. And just as a, another reminder, uh, the uh, envelopes for the food pantry are actually in your pew racks. So if you want to take one of those home with you today and uh, use that as your reminder to bring an offering next week, we would be grateful. We are concluding today our uh, focus on the early part of the fifth chapter of Matthew's Gospel. We took a look at the Beatitudes of Jesus that are followed then by Jesus um, reimagining with us who we are as human beings. And today we are in verses 14 through 16 of Matthew chapter five, and then a reading from 2 Corinthians. Jesus says, you are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one after lighting a lamp puts it under the bushel basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. And then from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul writes and says, Therefore, since it is by God's mercy that we are engaged in this ministry, we do not lose heart. We have renounced the shameful things that one hides. We refuse to practice cunning or to falsify God's word. But by the open statement of the truth, we commend ourselves to the conscience of everyone in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. We do not proclaim ourselves. We proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your slaves for Jesus' sake. For it is the God who said, let light shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in clay jars so that it may be made clear that this extraordinary power belongs to God and does not come from us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body of the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be made visible in our bodies. For while we live, we are always being given up to the death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus may be made visible in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. By your grace and through your mercy, we ask, O oh Lord, that these words to come will point to this word just read and to the word made flesh in Jesus the Christ, for we pray this in his name, amen. In Graham Greene's great novel, The Power and the Glory, 
He tells the story of a Mexican priest living in Mexico during its history in which religion at that point was outlawed. Practitioners of faith were being hunted down and executed. The priest finds himself as the only priest in his region, and as a priest goes, he is a pretty sorry one. He is given to drink, he has fathered a child, and he has a list of sins that haunt him with every step he takes on his fugitive trail. He is known as the whiskey priest. And as I said, he's a sorry excuse for a priest, but he's the only one they've got. So in his effort to stay ahead of the law, the priest travels from town to town, half in search of his next bottle and half in search of people looking for an agent of redemption. And what he discovers along the way in his moments of sobriety is that somehow it is his own brokenness that allows him to see the brokenness of others. It is his own need of redemption that helps him to see the need of redemption in others. It is his own failure as a human being that allows him to see with mercy the failure of others. And at one point, the priest, when he is confronted with a, a desperation of another group of villagers, says to himself, when you visualized a man or a woman carefully, you could always begin to feel pity. That was a quality God's image carried with it. When you saw the lines at the corner of the eyes, the shape of the mouth, how the hair grew, it was impossible to hate. Hate was just a failure of imagination. Hate was just a failure of imagination. And so despite his disqualifying life, the whiskey priest, with every piece of imagination, he travels from town to town, and God seems able to reveal the power and the glory through the broken vessel of an immoral priest. Writer Anne Lamont is not reluctant to tell you in her stories and essays of her own life that got broken pretty early. Illness and divorce entered her early years, which led her to some years of cynicism and loneliness, a point at which she began to drink pretty heavily. For years, she sort of staggered through life until she got acquainted with the writings of a Danish philosopher, Soren Kierkegaard, who convinced her that life was either a leap of faith toward God or it was nothing at all. She took the leap. And years later, when she looked back on her life, she commented, you know, back then I was cracking up, but that's how the light gets in. I was cracking up, but that's how the light gets in. You wonder, don't you, if that isn't a part of what the Apostle Paul is talking about when he writes to the Corinthians, a, a fairly messed up church having to deal with all sorts of brokenness and failure and disappointment. And Paul says, you know, we hold this treasure in clay jars so that it may be made clear that the extraordinary power belongs to God and does not come from us. 
And so what follows is Paul's listing of all the cracks, afflicted but not crushed, perplexed but not driven to despair, persecuted but not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed. We, we hold this treasure, Paul says. We, we hold this light but in clay jars so that it may be made clear that the extraordinary power belongs to God and does not come from us. The light comes in through the cracks and the light goes out through the cracks. And so Jesus says, you are the light of the world. It's not to say that somehow we have some light producing agent inside of us, some perpetual flame that we have to keep fanning, but that we are the light of the world by virtue of the light that has come in and the light that goes out. We are the light of the world by virtue of seeing how much we're cracking up. And we are cracking up, aren't we? Let's be honest. We wouldn't be here, would we, if we weren't cracking up in some way, somehow. Not that I mean that we're all on our way to the loony bin, but that life has its way. Life has its way of chipping and cracking all of us. We're, we're born in the image of God, but, but your life and my life never escape being banged up along the way. Hurt and disappointment and limitations of mind and heart all conspire to create those cracks and imperfections in our souls and bodies wherein we realize that we are at best the clay of a creator who has wonderfully formed us, but that the years of life's handling have chipped away at the ceramic. Nevertheless, this is where the light comes in. And this can be where the light goes out. Broken prisms, but prisms nonetheless through which the light passes and casts our unique spectrum across those in whose presence we place our lives. Broken prisms through which light passes, casting our own unique spectrum across those in whose presence we place ourselves. Could this be the imagination that Jesus would have for us, that, that in seeing our own brokenness, we might have a great mercy for the cracks of others? And it's that mercy that bears the light of the world. I don't know about you, but when I hear the talking heads on TV and radio talk shows and talking about this group of people and that group of people and blaming the ills of society on this group of people and that group of people, don't you wonder if it isn't just a failure of imagination? That somehow they just haven't got close enough to see the mysterious image of God in each and every person and that each and every person has got their own story that isn't a whole lot different than our story with the chips and the cracks and the disappointments and the hurts and the scars and the wounds and that the more we place ourselves into the mysterious presence of others, the more chance the spectrum of light falls. Woody Allen said that 80% of success is showing up. 
And while he never intended those words ever to show up in a sermon, <laughs> it is perhaps a truth that lies behind what Jesus says about being the light of the world. The light comes in the showing up. And showing up comes when we realize that there, if there's anything we hold in common with our brothers and sisters in the world is that to some degree we're all cracking up. We've seen the pictures this week of the devastated landscapes of the Philippine Islands and the wake of the monster typhoon and it doesn't take much imagination, does it? to see these victims and survivors as nothing more and nothing less than vulnerable human beings who have endured what we all know could happen to us. The uncontrollable waves have cast their vessels upon the rocks and we know that the same has happened and can happen to us. It makes us, doesn't it, it makes us want to show up. Just a broken prism of light casting some sort of spectrum of mercy and grace. I remember being given the chance to visit the Mississippi coastline in a couple of weeks after Katrina laid waste to so much. And as we were touring various sites, a man drove up in his pickup truck towing one of those little bobcat front loaders. Who needs help, he asked. Well, we pointed him a few directions of places we had just been to, and then, and then we asked, well, who was he working for? Nobody, he said. Well, well, who asked you to come? Nobody, he said. I just saw the pictures, and I told my boss, told my wife, I was taking my bobcat, and we're going. I figured once I got there, I'd find a use for myself. Once I got there, I'd find a use for myself. Being the light of the world has something to do with showing up. When I was finishing my seminary training, I took a summer and joined an inner city ministry in Washington, D.C. and joined a ministry called Emmaus Services for the Aging. And when I got there, I had a whole bunch of ideas, being a young seminarian, of what we could do to help out these low-income elderly survive in the slums of Washington programs that would make a difference. And when I got there, they assigned me to a man named Ernest, Ernest Williams, 72-year-old Ernest Williams. And I said, well, what does Ernest do? What, what program does he run? Oh, Ernest doesn't run a program. Ernest, he just walks around. What do you mean, just walk around? He just walks around and talks to people visits them, finds out what's going on in their lives, does it five days a week, walks these six square blocks. And when he finds someone who looks like they need help, well, then Ernest tells us about them, and we do what we can to help them. Where is his office? Oh, Ernest doesn't have an office. Ernest's office is out there. So for three months, I walked around with Ernest. Ernest was a little rough around the edges, carried his own cracks and scars from a former life, but I just watched Ernest show up. Day after day, week after week, showed up at people's houses and stoops and street corners, just shot the breeze, found out what was going on, discovered their needs, and did something about them. 
Somewhere along the way, Ernest said to me, you know, there was a time when I was down on my luck, time when I had some pretty big needs and there was no one there to help me out. I had to figure it out myself. And so I said to myself when I started this work, I don't want to wait for them to come to me. I want to go to them. It's all about showing up. Broken prisms, yes. Casting unusual spectrums. Being the light. But you have to get there. You remember the story, don't you, of Alvin Strait, the 73-year-old man from Lawrence, Iowa, whose eyesight had gotten bad enough that they took his license away. So what was he to do when he got the call from his Wisconsin brother, who lived 240 miles away, that he had a stroke? No money to fly, no Skype to call, no sight to drive. But he did have that 1966 John Deere riding mower in his back shed. No one said he couldn't drive that. So he rigged up a trailer to the tractor and put in his suitcase and gasoline and camping gear and off he went to see his brother. At a top speed of five miles per hour, the trip took six weeks. But he got there. He got there. Because it is the getting there that matters. This is, isn't it, the God we see in Jesus Christ? The God who gets there. This is the story toward which we are drawn, the God who so loved the world that he gets there becomes as vulnerable as those he seeks to help, takes on the fragile clay jar of our own existence and becomes himself the prism of light, all the way to the brokenness of the cross, the cast, the divine spectrum across all of creation. Back to Graham Greene's Whiskey Priest. After hearing yet another confession, he says to himself, it was for this world that Christ had died. And the more evil you saw and heard about you, the greater the glory lay around his death. It was too easy to die for what was good or beautiful, for home or children or civilization. No, the world needed a God to die for the half-hearted and for the corrupt. What an imagination God must have. One he shares with the likes of us. You are the light of the world, Jesus says. You, yes, you are the light of the world with all your broken pieces and cracks and chips and wounds and hurts and rough edges, you are the light of the world. So get there. Wherever there is, get there. Show up. Place your cracked up prison in the presence of someone.
let the light shine in you. And let the light shine through you. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore. Amen. Amen.